Hello and welcome to this Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflection on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter, a priest in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and today we're reflecting on the second letter. Uh, I was thinking about, about this, trying to maybe give some context for, for diving in and what we're doing and just kind of our, our focus and the whole thing. And, and I guess before we get started, I want to share, I guess, by way of analogy, Think about how in the parish setting, it's interesting how if you're announcing to the parish, you're going to have a talk on angels and demons. Everyone shows up. Everyone's curious. Everyone's interested. And put it at Halloween or in the month of October, and it's, you know, packed. But then announce that you're going to have a talk on Jesus, and five people show up. Right, like, what is that in us? We're fascinated by the angels and demons and the spiritual attacks, but then, yeah, to learn about Jesus, it's like, ah, yeah, we know that or something. So anyway, like, I guess I want it to be very clear that the focus of our study here is about Jesus, and we could say that the goal is Jesus. It is holiness. It's salvation. It's heaven. But we're going to take advantage of Lewis's emphasis on the spiritual battle that's going on and to appreciate what's real from the other side, right? So that we're not just here to talk about angels and demons in and of themselves, but so that they can all be focused and really pointed towards the Lord Jesus himself, which should fascinate us always. There's the, It's the greatest love story ever told. He's the greatest character. He's the greatest hero. Uh, he risks everything for you. And me, I hope I never get bored of learning about Jesus. So in this second letter, the patient has become a Christian. And Screwtape is very disappointed with Wormwood, but he tells him not to despair, right? There's a lot of hope that the patient can become disillusioned with the church by highlighting the strange habits and hypocrisies of its members. The attacks that Wormwood needs to implement need to be on the immaturity of Wormwood's patient. So I hope you had um, enjoyed this second letter. There's a lot of really good passages of Lewis. Just you can almost hear the voice of Screwtape writing to Wormwood. Um, here are a couple takeaways, though that that I that I had three of them to emphasize. First of all. The emphasis on the dangerous transition period from ideal to real, right? So thinking about this transition of this patient um, to becoming Christian, to convert. And I don't know if you've ever gone through a conversion or had your own moment of stepping into something new that you have great hopes and great expectations for. And what happens whenever that ideal comes into the, like, oh, like, this is what's that, what it actually is. These are the people who are here. And that description, right, that Screwtape gave is incredible. Um, here's it, here it is in the, I think this is the second paragraph. You want to lean pretty heavily on those neighbors, make his mind flit to and fro between an expression like the body of Christ and the actual faces in the next pew. It matters very little, of course, what kind of people the next pew really contains. You may know one of them to be a great warrior on the enemy's side. No matter. Your patient, thanks to our father below, is a fool. 
provided that any of those neighbors sing out of tune or have boots that squeak or double chins or odd clothes, the patient will quite easily believe that their religion must therefore be somehow ridiculous. At this present stage, you see he has an idea of Christians in his mind, which he supposes to be spiritual, but which in fact is largely pictorial. His mind is full of togas and sandals and armor and bare legs, and the mere fact that the other people in church wear modern clothes is a real, though of course an unconscious, difficulty to him. And this is the, this is the part, right? Never let it come to the surface. Never let him ask what he expected them to look like. Keep everything hazy in his mind now, and you will have all eternity wherein to amuse yourself by producing in him the peculiar kind of clarity which hell affords. Oh, yeah, sorry, I just read you like half of the, this letter. That's incredible. Like, right? Like, this is where Lewis is a genius to be able to get so deep into the psyche and the mentality, not just of this patient, but this is all of us, right? Gosh, to be able to have... Um, gosh, to keep things on the surface and hazy and having it stuck. And this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way we're, we hear about the body of Christ or the mystical church or the spotless, unblemished bride of Christ. And we have maybe all these glorious images. And But then all of a sudden, once we go to sit down in our pews, gosh, there's a lot of poor in our churches. There are a lot of those who talk differently than us, think differently than us, smell differently than us, you know, like all of these, like what happens then? And the tactic of the evil one is to never let it come to the surface. What did you actually expect? Right? And reading the scriptures, you realize the king has a banquet for his son and he invites everybody. And to those who don't come, he goes out to the streets and invites even more, right? The poor, the lame, the beggars, the crippled, the prostitutes, the sinners, the tax collectors. Who do we expect to be in these pews? And this is where the evil one loves to get us. Keep thinking it's all supposed to be perfect or good or just like us. So that's the first tactic, right? It's that dangerous transition period from the ideal to the real. Keep them on the surface. Here's the the next takeaway that I just thought was really insightful. That God takes the risk of this difficult transition period for the sake of our freedom. Lewis talks about it the same as like difficulty in learning a new language or a married couple learning to live together. The honeymoon's over, right? Like we had this great time. Everything's great. Able to enjoy our love, enjoy the newness. But now we actually have to share a common life together and compromise. And whose who's family are we going to for this vacation or next? Or what happens then? It's from the dreaming aspiration to laborious doing. Isn't that a great line? From dreaming aspiration. This is what our love can be like. Or this is what it'll be like when I learn this French language and go to Paris and be able to navigate the whole thing. And then it's hard, you know, to learn the declensions and the conjugations. But God allows for this difficulty. Lewis says that God has an inveterate love for the human vermin so that they can become sons and daughters. Inveterate. I had to look this word up. Inveterate love is having a particular habit, activity, or interest that is long established and likely to, and sorry, and unlikely to change. So this inveterate love for the, it's something like 
pesky and stubborn and unchanging that God has for us. So he loves us so much and he wants us to become not slaves, but sons and daughters that he allows for this difficulty in the transition in the transition from dreaming aspiration to laborious doing. He desires our freedom and therefore refuses to carry us. Have you ever um, seen this? This is, uh, I think I would call this tough love, you know, loving someone enough to really allow them to struggle. I remember going on a, a mission trip, helping out the missionaries of charity, and there were a number of disabled stroke victims, uh, work accidents, different things. And I remember this one nun, missionary of charity, yelling at this man in the wheelchair to get up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, sister, like he's in a wheelchair. And she said, no, father, he can walk. I'm like, oh, she, she went back over to him and said, you can walk. And if you keep relying on this wheelchair, you're never going to get any better. And we're going to kick you out. You're here to get better. And we're not just going to let you take advantage of this time and waste it. And yeah, so I, I think about that, like that's tough love. And that's this risk that that sister was taking on him, that risk to push him out of his comfort zone into a place where he can really grow. Screwtape talks about this moment as both an opportunity and a danger for him, for the enemy, right? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Why? Because in those moments of discouragement, those moments of difficulty, whether it's in our faith or whether it's in a new relationship or a new job or venture in our life, those initial moments of dryness and difficulty can be like, ah, like, Lord, where are you? And maybe we're tempted to, to, to be discouraged and despair. But this is also a danger for the evil one. Because we can come to allow our immaturity to grow to maturity and to trust in him and to surrender and to have our own selfishness purified. That it's not just about having it our way or according to our expectations, but allowing it to be real and authentic. Does that make sense? So that's the second thing, that God takes this risk of the difficult transition for the sake of our freedom and the third um, takeaway from, from this book is that the demons attack our weak, fickle resolve and our pride. This is at the very end of this letter where, um, yeah, we, ju- we just see screw tape, gosh, being relentless in talking to Wormwood to, um, you may ask whether it's possible to keep such an, a, an obvious thought from occurring even to a human mind. It is Wormwood, it is. Handle him properly and simply won't come into his head. He has not been anything like long enough with the enemy to have any real humility yet. What he says, even on his knees about his own sinfulness, is all parrot talk. At bottom, he still believes he has run up a a very favorable credit balance in the enemy's ledger by allowing himself to be converted and thinks that he is showing great humility and condescension in going to church with these smug commonplace neighbors at all. Keep him in that state of mind as long as you can. Your affectionate uncle, screw tape. Right, so here's the thing. The demons attack our weak, fickle resolve, attacking, they can see our false humility, right? They can see the ways that, gosh, we think we're really doing God a favor 
talking about the favorable credit balance in the enemy's ledger. The enemy, that means God, like that we would have this mindset that if I do all these things for God that I'm getting on his good side and I'm able to earn greater bonus points, heaven points, Jesus points to overcome my own sinfulness. And that would be to look at God wrong because we're seeing it solely through our own efforts. And the demons attack that, like go there, allow him to think that he's doing God a favor, that he's able to earn his way to heaven. How dangerous this is, brothers and sisters, as opposed to real humility and allowing the relationship that we have with God to be his doing, his work, his free gift and grace. So those are the three takeaways. First, the dangerous transition period from the ideal to the real. Second is the risk that God takes in this transition for our own freedom. And then third, the demons attack our weak, fickle resolve and our pride, this false humility that we have. So just a couple considerations to ponder. What are some of the unrealistic ideal visions that we have of the church or Christians or priests or bishops or how about just relationships? It's so easy to just desire the ideal, desire the ideal and stay in maybe a fantasy. And um, I heard uh, Peter Kraft talk about a temptation of the devil as being, keep them in this happy talk, that everything's great, everything's good, no problems here. And keeping us away from what's actually going on. How about us? Do we have difficulty with this? To see, gosh, some of the Christians, some of the people that I really admire and look up to, aren't everything that I imagined or expected them to be. How about disappointment? I think we need to consider that, um, yeah, disappointment is a part of the game. And even it's a part of God's game. There was a, a line that said, work hard then on the disappointment or anticlimax, which is certainly coming to the patient during his first few weeks as a churchman. And the idea is that God allows for this disappointment. And so why, right? Why does God allow for this disappointment? Well, we've covered it already, but just to emphasize, to allow for freedom and that freedom is necessary for love. Otherwise, we think it's about us and not about God. Have you ever experienced disappointment in a personal endeavor? I was thinking about this a little bit and just remembering whenever I first became Catholic, uh, I converted to the Catholic church whenever I was a freshman in high school and had a huge conversion through apologetics and coming from my Protestant background into the Catholic church and coming to appreciate the reality of the sacraments and the priesthood and the historicity of the church, all these different things. And, and then I just remember having a really tough time, this like letdown after the Easter vigil, receiving the sacrament of baptism, confirmation, first Holy Communion. And then it was like, what now? <laughs> like, what, like, what do I do now? And, um, and I just remember that tension of kind of that letdown of like, you mean I just have to keep living? <laughs> like, I have to go back to school. I have to keep like fighting to, to get onto the basketball team and we, like, whatever else was on my mind. It's like, yes. Yeah. And in that um, work of overcoming my, my bad habits or my selfishness or my idealism to work into the real. The third consideration, humility. Screw tape relentlessly 
tells Wormwood to attack the humility. Quote, He, the patient, has not been anything like long enough with the enemy to have any real humility yet. So friends, why is humility for a new believer so important? And maybe more just in general, why? what is the importance of humility in the Christian life? Something for us never to lose. Humility is just this foundational uh, virtue that allows everything else, charity and courage and patience and everything else to actually flow from. And if we don't have humility, that true understanding of who we are, then we're going to miss everything. And maybe just to consider how the Lord's inviting us to greater humility, this honest understanding of, gosh, other people don't measure up to the way that I expect them to be. And maybe I don't either. (laughs) Maybe in all honesty, I realize I've let myself down too. And I'm a lot further away on this journey than I would like to be. And I need a lot more help from God. I need a lot more help from the sacraments and from other Christians and family members to help me out. And that humility is what really allows us to take off. So we'll stop there. Um, I hope this has been been helpful. Uh, this is the, the second letter of the Screwtape letters and looking forward to continuing on our journey. Um, if this was helpful for you, I invite you to um, subscribe and like so that you can get these episodes to your inbox or whatever you listen on every single day so that you can stay up to date with all of them. And then as always, um, to check out our, our website at drybonespgh.org for more information. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you tomorrow.